Time now for Listen with Liston. And Liston, I can sense, wants to rant about something because he sent me a long list of subjects. And Liston is, of course, a portfolio manager, private client portfolio manager at Invest Securities in Johannesburg. Um, Liston, okay, you want to start with something to do with an old adversary of mine. Her name is Helen Ziller. Please carry on. Well, it was something that became the news of the day where Helen said, you know, uh, following up on told people not paying e-tolls, that uh, she didn't believe that people should be paying tax while miscreants were walking free. And uh, she said she was looking for a way, and she called it a revolt, which I don't think is the right word, and she could be accused of all sorts of uh, wrong things under the Constitution for suggesting that. But a big point I wanted to make, and I'm still trying to get the message to her, is that it's perfectly legit for anybody to put money into a Section 12J fund, and the amount you put in, in the tax year that you put it in, is deductible in total from your tax. So if people put money in before uh, the 28th of February, I think they'll probably have to get it in by the 23rd or something. But if they do, they can deduct it. The, you know, the, the person who submits their tax so accountant or themselves submitting their provisional tax returns for the 28th of February, they're going to submit a, a zero return. Now, it turns out, and, and it is so, that you know the majority of tax in South Africa is personal income tax. It's something like 40% in last year's budget. And it's uh, rumored, I can't prove this number, but the, that uh, less than a million pay, people pay, 25, uh, pay 80% of that tax. So 30% of all tax is paid by a million people. Now, I fully expect that a huge number and proportion of that are actually DA supporters. So if, in fact, they were to suddenly say, oh, gosh, I do want to do something, you know, they don't have to do it on all their salary, but virtually if they're in a high tax bracket, they get a full tax deduction of 45% on what they put in. It's a very complicated system. You've got to stay in for five years. The thing has to be a Section 12J operational all the way through the five years. And you really are dependent on people managing those Section 12J funds. Quite a complicated story. And uh, if anybody listening says, you know, gosh, I don't fully understand, it's most important that they go to a financial advisor and say what and where. And in their final selection, they must be pretty sure that the people running the money for them know what they're doing. And in five years' time, you know, the, the item will be worth at least what you put in, if not a good bit more. Okay, this sounds like a stunt from Helen Ziller, and as you say, probably used the wrong word in in revolt because that does seem a little bit anarchic, if you like. But let's move on from that because I'm sure you're going to try and get hold of Madame Ziller and see what she's got to say for herself, and it will get covered in the newspapers. What about Mr Powell, talking about stunts? Uh, Jerome Powell, the head of the US Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee, he's suddenly not going to be raising interest rates. He suddenly said that because of this reason, uh, generally, I'm trying to think of the phraseology that he employed, but anyway, he came up with all this stuff about Essentially, there's no inflation, so I'm not going to raise rates anymore. And that's something that you've been saying all along. No, well, again, I just don't know how in the world we have ever become so dependent upon the lip movements of a single individual in one country. It's unbelievable. And if you look at what Janet Yellen did in the time she was there, I mean, nothing, nothing, followed by nothing, followed by nothing, nothing, nothing. Yes. Um, And we hyperventilated every time the Fed was moving uh, or meeting, and, and they never moved rates. 
Now, the, he started, and correctly, he said, we have to normalize these things. But as in all, in all things, and I don't care whether you're in business or government, you do respond to the outside pressures. And you say, well, we've done enough. Uh, people are getting hurt now. Uh, you know, companies are complaining. Uh, the president is not happy. Uh, golly, I think I'll, I'll just pause now. And actually, I can't see any reason why I don't pause twice. And if you're honest and say that, then my goodness me, you've flummoxed everybody who's assumed something different. I'm sorry. I think it's overdone, overhyped, not relevant. Sorry. <laughs> At what stage does the amount of job creation that the United States has experienced ever since Mr. Trump came in and well before Mr. Trump became president as well? Because I think it was the last private sector jobs number, the so-called ADP number came out, and that showed that 213,000 jobs had been created. That's just the private sector. And of course, we've got the real number, I think, tomorrow. Is it, is it the non-farm payrolls tomorrow, Liston, or do they wait another week? I think it is uh, well, coming no, out tomorrow. No, I think with the government shut down, it will not be coming out. Uh, I'm pretty sure it will be a week late. Okay. But the story is exactly that. Uh, you know, you can't talk about unemployment as a problem. And we had that story from Janet Yellen as well. She was going to raise rates once they got to 5.5%. Uh, the unemployment rate got to 55 Well, we're, we're all the way down past 4 And mm. only then did they start raising rates. So, you know, the rhetoric is just too much for me. But essentially, interest rates are, in my opinion, still too low. And the motivation is that, well, in low inflationary times, you don't need to have a high rate. All I can tell you is I'm a pensioner and I don't want a low rate of interest. Thank you very much. But I also don't want a high inflation rate. But story coming through is that low interest rates are supposedly good for the economy. Well, I've just had a report, and it shows that actually in this period, since the global financial crisis, the rate of growth has actually been surprisingly low. You know, it's all been hyped because we measured from a very low base. But actually, the growth isn't there. You've got to look at the American economy. It's, you know, it definitely has an aging component to it. We all, we all talk about the baby boomers and the longer lifespan of the baby boomers. So very definitely, and again, we always go back in investments and we say, where will the growth come from? And Mr. Trump has said, well, we're not getting it from more immigration, that's for sure. And actually, we're going to send some people home and actually we're going to stop others from coming in. So <laughs> I just say, where will the growth actually come from? And obviously, it's happening in various select areas. So something like electric vehicles is, is, is going great guns. I don't say that's the biggest part of the American economy. I'm not saying it's even going to be, but it's certainly a, a change of, of area and direction. We were online sales, which weren't there before. Now, what that really means is that somebody gets in a, in a vehicle and gets the item to you instead of you getting in your vehicle going to them. And whether that's more productive, whether it's uh, more efficient, only time will tell. But, you know, I think, honestly, just going back to, to Jerome Powell, and I really think he does know, you know, how many beans make five. So he's saying there was no reason to move, so I didn't move. But the uh, media has rather hyped it to something much more than that. Mm, I just wonder when inflation will come back. But given the efficiencies in the global economy and the global supply chain as well, perhaps it won't come back. I mean, never say never and don't ever say it's different this time. But it does seem to me that you're going to have to have full employment 
completely full employment on a grand scale before inflation will start to pick up and therefore rates again. We shall see. Listen, what about the markets? Can we start with South Africa? Wasn't that long ago I was talking to a stockbroker and he said, goodness, the JSE's all share index looks as though it's going to break down through 50,000 and here we are, 54,000 plus. Now, okay, that's only 8% and it's not a representative index, but it's happening across across markets, developed and emerging markets. Well, let's be honest as well. We had an absolutely horrible October. I think we referred to it as a shocktober. And then December was the worst December in decades. And we were recovering from that. <laughs> so if you go back three years, you look and you say, well, we haven't gone anywhere on aggregate in three years. And certainly people have been drawing down from some of their investments. You know, I actually eating capital now. So I think, you know, it's, it's only to be hope that we can continue. But, yeah, I mean, we've discussed this once on my outlook, and you and I have discussed it quite a lot of times. You know, I can't really see in the local economy with commission, and I actually coined a phrase called, you know, one commission, two commission, three commission, poor. And, uh, you know, we just have to find out where on earth all these monies went and what people were doing with various bits of them. But that period that you go through, whether it's the Truth and Reconciliation Committee or whatever, is actually a horrible time. I don't know if you're enjoying reading the papers, but finally, what you, just the ghastly amounts and the number of people involved, it's no surprise that people aren't exactly rushing out to buy consumer goods, to buy a new house, even car sales. They'll, they'll rather say, gosh, you know, everything is so gloomy and horrible and nasty. So we've got to go through this horrible patch, I'm afraid. And then we've got an election coming up. And golly, you know, I don't know what, what options people are getting. Outside of that, I'm, I'm hearing more and more of the positives in that there seems to be a realization at the top of the ruling party that they will have to, whether the electorate agrees to it or not, they will have to sell some assets or at the least stop them bleeding by giving them to somebody else to bleed with. And it goes back to even the Section 12J. If money doesn't go into the fiscus but goes into private hands, which are going to help new businesses, we'll get job creation out of it. It can't be a bad story. But all I'm saying is we, I can't see for the local companies that that's going to work. My message of hope, the RAND has been strong, and for a number of reasons, and not the least, I think, you know, the presence of our president in uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos, yes. uh, at least reassuring for foreigners and, and, and enticing certain others. And suddenly the RAND is a, a good but stronger. That'll get inflation down. That should get interest rates, surprise, down. Now, I haven't heard our governor of the Reserve Bank saying anything like that. He's still worrying about a possible downgrade. Depends on uh, Tito and Boweni and the budget and a whole lot of other things. But if they come in that budget and they say, we are going to sell Donnell, I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying if they were to say that, there would be an instant improvement, I think, in all kinds of sentiment. Because instead of having to take it out of the mouths of, of wage earners and uh, pensioners, they will actually be taking it or getting it from a foreigner or even some of the corporates in South Africa. And lo and behold, the budget will balance. All sorts of good things will happen. Surely so there is light on the horizon. Okay. And of course, when we celebrate that, we can celebrate it with a delicious cocktail. Now, the reason I'm mentioning a cocktail uh, when I'm speaking to Liston Mainchies from Envest Securities is because he sent me a recipe and it's all to do with a much maligned and very dangerous um, spirit 
based on licorice and something called wormwood, I think it is, which makes you go a bit loopy. It's called absinthe. Why have you put this in your report, Liston? Have you been have you been sourcing well, no, it? Up? I... <laughs> <laughs> if you saw that I had the, the sequence, I was actually talking about the World Economic Forum and saying, you know, what did they really discuss? But really they were saying that we have a horrible cocktail in the world today. Just, you know, Donald Trump on the one side, Brexit on the other, Quitterly on the other, and the trade wars in China. I mean, golly, I, I, and I looked up, you know, as I did, you know, a, a horrible tasting cocktail, and that's the one that popped up. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, that's why it's there. But I'm, it would be good to know that absinthe makes the heart go fonder. I can tell you something. I first had absinthe in uh, a place called the Devon Valley Lodge near Stellenbosch, which at the time had around 20 different types of absinthe, the original ones coming from a, a valley in, in Switzerland. And I, still, I think the Devon Valley Lodge is still there. So, so go along. It's not, yes, it is. it's not that bad. Have a little sip of that, Liston. Liston, thank you very much for your time, as always. That was Listen with Liston. And Liston Mainchies is from Envest Securities in Johannesburg.